Hippity hop, here we go again, it's Chappie, the British butler. And it's Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese, your old friend, your old friend, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And it's episode 87. Isn't that, uh, I think that's unlucky for Australians. The, the number 87 is unlucky for Australians. I mean, you're somebody asking, Chappie, why would such a wonderful, delicious nation such as Australia have an unlucky number? Well, one thing is uh, our dear friends, our, our dear Antipodean friends, um, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, little bit of sass about an Aussie. A little bit of uh, muster about an Aussie, you know. They're not quite as polite, not quite as uh, endearing or charming as the English. Uh, but they get things done. I suppose it's like comparing, comparing Canadians and Americans, I suppose. Uh, not that I would know any sort of things sort of that or delve into that, uh, into that cavernous hole. But it's... Uh, 87, the reason the 87 is unlucky is obviously it's 13 short of 100. So in cricketing terms, uh, that's very unlucky. So I think um, uh, 111, uh, 222, 333 is unlucky for a Brit. It's like Nelson or half Nelson, Nelson and all of that. All of those, uh, all of those little shenanigans. Uh, but for an Aussie, it's 87, 13 short of 100. Is, uh, is their unlucky number. Oh my God, I'm sort of already spouting useless information. Isn't it, uh, isn't it fabulous, people? And uh, th- that's much of what the podcast is, really. I mean, it's, uh, it's me uh, turning on the uh, nonsense hose and spouting complete garbage, rubbish, uh, compost or compost uh, for about an hour, a couple of times a week. And uh, that, that's that's the name of the game here. Um, so I don't know how many of you out there have been vaccinated. I'm now fully vaccinated, so I'm safe to go out in public. Game. Well, some people are probably saying he's never safe to uh, show his face uh, in public. Not very often, anyway. Um, but I am safe. I am. You know, I have the little card that I refuse to post online, like hundreds of millions of other people have um but uh i have the little card so i'm safe to go out and about again and it's made making me think not that i have a yearning yearning or luster to go clubbing or anything along those lines um but it's made me sort of nostalgic to the days when i used to sweat away to the prodigy's fire starter with a uh, a cigarillo cigar hanging out of my mouth an orange shirt that I could never get iron properly, uh, and then uh, dancing to Firestarter with a ridiculous straightened hairstyle with my uh, curly hair growing in at the sides, but straight on top. I mean, that that was the look that I had. And, and people ask, well, you know, probably reason why you'd never have a girlfriend at that point. Um, but you know what? The amazing, the maze of Matt Clay does help, does do wonders for even the curliest of hair. And that's what I'm using these days. But in back in the day, I mean, I used to get things coming over on the banana boat. And I used to get my hair straightened. And I mean, I had like an afro. It was like a sort of Don King thing, thing going on. But when I used to club, I used to, you know, love a bit of Armand Van Helden and, um, 
uh, in The Prodigy, uh, Pete Heller, Stardust. I mean, they're some of my absolute favourites. Probably scattered on the musical edition of the podcast. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, I, I, it's a good chance with clubbing coming back. And uh, I'm almost feeling like um, I might have a retro appreciation amongst the, uh, the Gen Zs. You know, the whole fart Gen Xer. He does a podcast every week. Gen Zs and millennials love the podcast. And some of them might even be clubbing. Do Gen Zs even club? Do they go to clubs or do they just knit and drink green tea lattes and kombucha? I mean, you can get alcoholic kombucha, so that may draw these types to uh, to the clubs. Um, but I'm thinking about merchandising some chappy stuff. You know, a, a sort of a, I'm, a, I'm a sort of a nouveau uh, type of a trend going on, and a nouveau appreciation for an old fart talking nonsense for an hour every week um, is uh, is the whole clubbing situation. And um, I'm thinking that I may start marketing my own glow sticks, chappy glow sticks. A, uh, a a chappy wristband so which has your probably your name on it so you don't forget uh, your name and i think um a also a glow-in-the-dark ascot that can double up as if you want to play blind man's buff and you can uh, not blind men in the buff uh, but the, the the old victorian uh, uh, parlor game of blind man's buff when you have to uh, uh, you know cover your eyes blindfold each other Sounds a little kinky, doesn't it? But no, it's not a not a kinky game. It's a pretty normal game of sorts. Um, but if you ever want to do that in the middle of the club. Um, but the yearning to get back to the phone parties where, I mean, that's probably the only time my shirt was unwrinkled was when the foam went all over it, sprayed out of those guns into the club and it soaked the shirt and then finally the wrinkles did come out. Uh, but I'm thinking, you know, back to the club days, uh, and I, I'm thinking that maybe some chappy merchandise. So the glow sticks, um, we're not going to market any sort of nipple rings or piercings or clamps or anything like that. We're not going to do go down that avenue. Um, but you've got the, you've got the uh, wristbands as well, so you can remember your name at the end of the night. And the glow-in-the-dark chappy ascot or cravat. There we go. That's what we're going to have. And then you can be part of the chappy club. So last week, uh, we, or last, yes, last week, it seems like an age ago, doesn't it? Actually, ages ago, darling. It's like another, it's like history repeating itself. No, so uh, yesterday I did a podcast. We talked about weighted pillows to help insomniac rat terriers sleep. Uh, we talked about uh, Captain Hook uh, and his one hook clapping, basically. Uh, and, and sort of that sort of nonsense. Uh, old-fashioned wartime golf rules which is essential if you're going out on the links, I guess. But today, um, uh, no, turmeric, no turmeric in the eye. Uh, also, turmeric bruises, uh, Nespresso Everest Mountains, Wellington boots and shorts. Um, we uh, also uh, talk about uh, the uh, Cauliflower Club, uh, as we mentioned at the top. We've got basically got our glow sticks and we've got some of our merchandise here. Um, also, uh, a real fear of something going into a microwave uh, that's uh, also coming along the way as well smoking jackets uh, i will be burning a the essence of my youth and i'm not talking about like an old an old sock or uh, a sweaty jock strap or anything like that but uh, i'll be going back into my youth and i'll be getting rid of some of the harsher memories of my old school days and uh, that uh, that'll be uh, coming along the way 
on the podcast. We're bringing back Jumper Jenga, Burger Spring Edition. Uh, we're having that today. Um, we never talked about Glockenspiel leggings yesterday as well, so no, we didn't talk about that. Uh, the the growing mushrooms. We talked about this the other week, but somebody has been growing uh, growing mushrooms um, around the neighbourhood here. And again, uh, hazard a guess: are they uh, are they uh, are they actually uh, magic mushrooms or? Are they uh, like a morel or something that you can dry up and put in some pasta? Mind you, you can probably put magic mushrooms in pasta as well. So you've got your carbs. Uh, so maybe even the munchies wouldn't be so bad when you're tripping or anything along those lines. Um, also, um, the uh, premonition of Michael Lewis, the Mavericks who saw the pandemic coming with Nord. We may have that article. We may not decide to have the article. We never had Prince Philip falling for Henry VIII yesterday either. Uh, we never talked about the great sharks and the uh, drones or the flat pack pasta. Uh, we do have historical Tinder. And as our own f- old friend, our French friend, it's not uh, President Macron Bonaparte. It's actually Napoleon Bonaparte uh, uh, we'll be looking at as well as in our historical Tinder competition. See the light with tinted, colorful sunglasses. Uh, I, I've been told I shouldn't wear sunglasses indoors. I think I look more like Jack Nicholson. I think it's sort of a, as a, a retro type of cool. Uh, but you know, I don't know what you you think about that, you uh, listeners out there. The Eiffel Tower, a love story dominating the skyline in the city of romance. Uh, if you uh, also more uh, trumple trombone coming along the way, we had it yesterday, but it's uh, coming back to haunt us again today. Odor eliminating paper yarn socks as part of the uh, uh, the whole uh, social dilemma situation coming out, uh, and uh, the AI elves have been watching me again pretty carefully over the week uh, those artificial intelligent elves that look at everything what i do online here uh, pet kitten thought thought to be sick turns out to be an incredibly well wolf cat and uh, try to say that after a couple of drinks rare wolf cat not where where wolf where wolf cat um and um cricket bats made of bamboo uh, hit waste for six millennials are hated for being defiantly uncool that's why i think maybe they're not coming back to the clubs who knows? The wonderful article in New York as well. What killed nine hikers at the Dudlov Pass incident? Uh, probably about, uh, it's coming up to 70 or 80 years ago, I believe. Uh, really interesting article about that. So we may be delving into that. If I don't delve into that today, if I don't uh, scrape the surface and look at the article in the New Yorker about the uh, mystery between the uh, Dudlov Pass skiers, then look that up on the New Yorker. It's well worth, uh, well worth a read. So that seems like a fun-packed show, but it's making me thinking. Do you, one of my um, favorite artists, Tori Amos, really like her. Um, and, uh, you know, she's a cornflake girl. Um, I'd probably be more of a Frosties girl if I happened to write a song about my cereal eating habits. Um, but she, uh, you know, seems like a little bit of a crazy type of redhead. You wouldn't want to get the wrong side of her. Or anything along those lines, but uh, it made me think. You know, she she there's a little bit of Looney Tune about her, which makes her a fabulous artist. Uh, not quite as crazy as Bjork, uh, but uh, it makes you wonder why. Um, well, probably hazarding a guess and probably not doubting the reason that she is a professional widow. Cha cha cha. Trying to perk myself up a little bit this morning um, with a nice uh, Nespresso. Um, one of my favorites, a little bit of froth on the top there. But I found a, uh, a true 
hack, a true wonder. So I don't know all of you who put expensives like sweet cream or uh, some of those uh, coffee sweetener creams into your coffee. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not really uh, hairy-chested enough, Neanderthal macho man enough to uh, to do the whole um, black coffee thing. Can't do it. Won't do it. Want a little creamy in my coffee. A little creamy puts a pep in my step in the morning. Um, so I, I do like the Nespresso, but I sort of have the epitome of laziness, like the Nespresso capsules uh, building up almost into a mountain range inside the uh, sort of plastic cylindrical thing uh, that's attached to the Nespresso machine. I know this is sort of first world yuppie problems here. I, I know, I know, chappy. But so... I'm too lazy to empty the thing out because I don't know what to do with the Nespresso capsules. Now, I know that some people cut them open and make them into compost uh, for the worms to live and um, to help the environment. And then some people have them recycled. I mean, where do you do? Do you have to get it's like going to try to get rid of your Christmas tree after Christmas and nobody will pick it up for you. And you have to find somebody who's going to recycle the damn thing. And uh, and it makes you want to get a fake Christmas tree. As much as I love the smell of the spruce and the boosts and the spruce, um, you, you just can't get rid of it. And it's the same with the Nespresso capsules. Where do you put the Nespresso capsules after you do it? You don't want to throw them away. You feel very sort of ungreen and you and you feel that, um, you know, David Icke or David Bellamy or, uh, or Al Gore is going to come and say... Uh, what are you doing with that? I'd like to go in the undergrowth and I'd like to look for the espresso capsules and the, and the delves and deep and the, the coffee and the compost and, the, and also the worms that are floating around. And, by the way, that's not a that's not a David Icke or a Al Gore impression. That's a David Bellamy. You know, wallow, hollow down to the hollow and go with this mud, mud, glorious compost. I mean that that's 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 more of a Bellamy impression, not a Balcor impression. I don't think I could. I did not hear Thatcher right. That's Clinton, is it? So anyway, so where do you put the where do you put the? Uh, you can't really compost uh, compost the um, the Nespresso capsules. Um, but where do they go? And that's a problem that I have. I love the Nespresso. Um, I would like a mountain of the um, vanilla princess cake. Uh, that you can't get anymore for love or money. It's like trying to uh, find, you know, as I talked about a few weeks ago, hot cross buns, like trying to find the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant are hot cross buns in America and also the vanilla princess cake uh, Nespresso capsules. I love those things. They taste so good. Um, but I found the hack. So going back to the beginning of my story, huh, is the hack is instead of the expensive cream, it's the evaporated milk. The evaporated milk gives it the creaminess. It's very cheap, like a dollar a can, even less, I think, for the carnation milk in the UK. And um, you use that and froth that up and put that in the top of the Nespresso. You have got a creamy delicatessen of delight. The Nespresso with the evaporated milk on there is rather wonderful. So once I solve the whole mountainous problem uh, with the capsules, I think I'm going to have more, and I'm going to have more of the evaporated milk. Oh, absolutely delicious. Maybe a splash of honey in there. So as I mentioned quite often, you have two versions. You have the audio version, 
where I'm just uh, I'm just sort of rambling and rummaging around for a whole hour, just me talking. And then there's a musical edition. So just for an example, uh, across all the platforms, you can have the audio chappy. But the musical chappy, where I'm dance, monkey, dance, is, uh, is over on Spotify. And if you're listening to that next, right after when I stop talking, uh, there'll be a musical piece. And then I'll start up again chatting afterwards. And the audio version, I stop talking and then I start rabbiting on again a little bit later. Uh, but on the musical edition here, uh, as I said, I'm not man enough. I'm not hairy enough. I'm 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 no beard, so I'm not no no macho man here. Uh, but next is the wonderful humble pie black coffee. Uh, I, I mean, I couldn't do it. I couldn't couldn't do the black coffee in the morning. But these guys are rocking it out with a black coffee. So the time has come for the spring edition of Chappie's Game Jumper Jenga. So as I explained before, it's not me running around in a giant baby suit, not the American jumper, but the British jumper, the uh, cashmere, the uh, little uh, v-necks, the cricket jumpers. So it's a spring edition of Jumper Jenga. And um, this is the game where I try to clean up my closet but today I'm uh, getting rid of some of my winter sweaters, putting them on the bottom of, uh, of the pile of uh, knitted goodness, and, uh, and trying to get my springtime and summertime sweaters, the little vests, the little uh, aperitifs, the, uh, the little cricket and tennis sweaters. So this is what we have going on today. So I'm in my closet, not not literally in the closet. I've never been and never will be in the closet. Just saying that uh, for all of you peeps out there. So let's open up the door. It's not like from Texas Chainsaw Massacre or anything like that. And uh, cue the uh, music. All right. So here we go again with Jumper Jenga. All right. So I'm at the closet. I can see lots of pink checkered shirts, lots of striped shirts, uh, lots of navy blue jumpers. So we're taking some of the thicker sweaters uh, and we're going to put those to the bottom of the pile. This is a thick grey-ish white cardigan, almost like a herringbone or a hound's tooth. Now that's going on the bottom, so that went safely on the bottom and obviously when, when the walls come tumbling down, when the sweaters come a-tumbling, don't go a-rumbling, that's uh, when the game is over. And whichever sweater causes the whole house of cards to fall, that's a sweater that has to be donated. All right. So uh, one of my uh, navy blue cardigans, little thicker, shawl collar, that's going to the bottom of the pile. Now I'm pulling out a nice little wafer-thin pink sweater that I'll wear in the spring. I'm pulling it out right now. Oh, it slips out very nicely. And uh, that's going on the top of the pile. Still everything is intact. Everything is intact still. So, here we go again. We've got a little beige number. Perfect for those chilly evenings sitting around a campfire or a fire pit. Or if the air conditioning is too high. We're taking that from the bottom, putting it to the top. It's something I might slip on a little later. And, uh, okay, we have a purple sweater, or is it lavender? That's coming from the bottom. We're pulling it out. 
Oh, that's coming out rather nicely. And I'm putting it right on the top. Okay. So, I'm looking for the, uh, the cricket sweater. That's one I want to put on. Now, where is the cricket sweater? All right, okay, let's have a look here. So we're getting the cricket sweater. It's right at the bottom here. I mean, please let it not be the one that I have to donate. So I'm pulling it out of the bottom, putting it onto the top, and, uh, oh, oh, it's a wobbler. It's a wobbler. Oh, it's still up. It's still nicely up. The uh, stack of sweaters is still erect. Okay. So the cricket sweater's okay. So now we have a little, um, this is probably navy blue, a little bit of trim. It's also a cable knit. And this will be worn maybe playing tennis. So I'm pulling that little beauty out. Oh no, the wall comes tumbling down. Oh my gosh, no, oh, it's all coming down. Oh, so that's going to be the one. That is the one, ladies and mantelpieces, that caused the whole thing to fall down. It was that little blue number with a bit of trim that caused the whole jumper jenga to come down. So I had to go over and go and donate that right now. Chua. I'm back in the uh, Goose Line studio now. I need a nip or something after that. That uh, jumper jenga spring edition takes a lot out of me, I have to say. Uh, but, you know, we do have somebody who's actually... Uh, taking notes for the show. We have somebody who takes copious notes and minutes of the show every week. And uh, and uh, he, you know, he's quite a good little chap. And uh, he does a good job when it comes to sort of uh, secretarial work and administrational work. Um, but I do want him to make, if he, a message here to, uh, to a message to Tarquin. If you can take a note here, please, Tarquin. So, a quick message. So, I just found I, I rested all the equipment on a uh, on a dilapidated chest that actually says "Keep Calm and Carry On" on the chest. It's my ex's chest. So, uh, future feature of the show. Uh, make a mental note here, Tarquin. Uh, not a mental note. Just get your typewriter out. Type this out, please. Um, what's in my ex's chest? Future feature for the show. What's in my ex's chest? The mystery chest will prize it open. Uh, we might get a, a blowtorch or a, a you know hammer and chisel to the lock and see what is in my ex's chest. Coming up soon on the podcast near you. So we have our historical Tinder game. We take a historical figure and uh, we sort of metaphorically swipe right or swipe left. Obviously in their own time, uh, the swipe left could have been a fate worse than death. Crushed skulls, guillotines, drownings, all of the, all of the above. But today, it's sort of a, a, a cyber type of swipe left or swipe left, which is done purely in the cloud. Nobody, no historical figure was harmed making this game. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte poisoned by his own deadly cologne. Napoleon Bonaparte was poisoned not by arsenic, as some theories suggest, but by his own Lourdes de Cologne. He splashed over himself compulsively, as scientists claims. Parviz Harris, a professor in biomedical science at De Montfort University in Leicester, said that frequent exposure to essential oils in his favourite cologne examined changes in his health. A post-mortem examination by his uh, British captors at St Helena, uh, Helena found that he developed gastric cancer. 
Harris, a fellow of the Royal Society of Chemistry, cited historical accounts that in 1810, Napoleon used on average 36 to 40 bottles of cologne a month. In October 1808, he uh, ordered 72 bottles. Madame Le Ressemont, a lady in waiting to Empress Josephine, said he never made any use of any perfume except Eau de Cologne. Uh, but then he would get through 60 bottles a month. Also, another contemporary biographer said he almost tried to drown himself in the stuff. So Napoleon drowned himself in his own is his own cologne. Uh, Harris argues that for at least 20 years from the early 1790s, the Corsican, who became the French emperor, regularly covered his body with cologne after washing, sometimes pouring it over his own head. He even drank a diluted solution. He said that Napoleon was uh, convinced that cologne had its health benefits. He took stocks of it in his own campaign and he reported to have applied it to as a cure to all of his accidents. Harris said Napoleon uh, would have been exposed to exceptional levels of essential oils such as citrus fruits, lavender and other plants. The cologne's ethanol content would have facilitated his entry into the system. Suge uh, studies suggest that the essential oils, uh, endocrine disruptors affecting hormones, this would account for written descriptions of Napoleon's enlarged breasts and hairless body. Uh, Harris said that other studies uh, suggested that there might be a link between uh, endocrine disruptors and gastrointestinal cancer, which believed to cause Napoleon's death at the age of 51. And that was 200 years ago, last week. He was getting exposed to levels on a daily basis that were very high. And Napoleon was a great patron of science, slowly, po slowly poisoned himself through overdosing with eau de cologne. Harris, who had to submit paper on his work, said it seems like he wasn't aware of this, nor did he care about it. The famous dictum of the 16th century uh, physician Pericles said, what is there that is not poison? All things are poison and nothing is without poison. Uh, solely the dose determines that a thing is not poison. Uh, investigators seem to have missed like an elephant uh, in the room with the death of Napoleon. Many points to the samples of Napoleon's hair taken whilst he was still alive. There's high levels of arsenic, but this theory has now been refuted since most people during the Napoleonic era had high levels of arsenic. Uh, Napoleon loved the smell of his aftershave he had a Prodestian memory of his days when he was in power that he was ruling Europe, so to him it was a very important smell. But it was also the scent that used by many soldiers in the 18th and 19th century because it helped them mask and fight the evil smells of war. Okay, this is the, uh, this is the sound of Napoleon's moves being blown up, uh, you know, by ingesting too much of a load of cologne. So this is his uh, moves inflating here. So here we go, here we go. Yep, yep. Oh, here we go, Napoleon. Ooh la la. So how Prince Philip fell for Henry VIII. Congratulations to the Oldie magazine which publishes its 400th issue, like this was last week, bringing up its quadruple century with a celebration of one of its great oldies, the late Prince Philip. He accepted the award from the journal in 2011. There's nothing like it for the morale to be reminded that the years are passing, that bits will be beginning to drop off the ancient frame. The historian Lady Antonia Fraser recalls meeting Philip after she had written The Six Wives of Henry VIII. He bemoaned history's focus on the Tudor King's marriage rather than his great accomplishments. You're so right, said Fraser. He's a wonderful, marvellous musician. The Duke looked blankly at her. He bashed the French repeatedly, three times. So it's a real bumper turmeric, turmeric day here on the podcast. Keep calm, cauliflower cheese. <clears throat> so, excuse me, Clément, Clément, 
Oh la la, need some uh, a little bit of dash of honey. Anyway, so as everybody knows, I think everybody, all and sundry, the whole world knows I like uh, turmeric. I think it's I think it's the wonder. It's the uh, golden essence. It's like uh, powdered gold, basically. That you sprinkle on top of your tongue every morning. So, and I often have the yellow tongue, as people have seen quite regularly. But one thing you should never do, never, never, never do, is turmeric does not cure pink eye, nor does it cure a swollen eye. So do not put the essence of turmeric in your eye. It's the one of the only things, I mean, you can rub it anywhere else, but do not rub it on your eyeball. It will not cure the optical ills that you may have. So we have our turmeric part two. Uh, so I, I took my shirt off. I mean, I don't, I don't take the shirt off to do the podcast or anything along those lines. I wouldn't want to want uh, <clears throat> wouldn't want to embarrass anybody through the ether, through the line, through the radiograms or whatever we're broadcasting up in the cloud here. So I, I found a yellow imprint on my heart this morning that I think probably turmeric spilling down my chin onto my chest but right on my heart and it, it was a yellow image similar to the images you see on the pancakes but it wasn't the image of JC the Messiah it wasn't the image of that rather infamous elephant god in the Indian world Ganesha it wasn't Ganesha it wasn't the Messiah not the JC but I had imprinted on my chest, the yellow emblem, the outline, the yellow essence of Popacata Petal. I took this scrubbing brush to my uh, yellow imprint here of Popacata Petal, and it won't come off. Even a little, uh, little dash of bleach, which you probably shouldn't spray on your chest, the yellow emblem will not come off. I have yellow embossed onto my heart forever. Drone video shows great white sharks swimming next to humans. The drone footage that Carlos Guana posts on YouTube of great white sharks cruising the emerald green waters off the Southern California coast is hypnotic, beautiful, and wildly popular. To anyone deluding themselves that the ocean's most feared predator prefers to avoid humans, it's also absolutely terrifying. In dozens of videos that have been viewed millions of times, Guana has shown sharks meandering through the waves close to the surfing beaches, frequently coming within a few feet of surfers, kayakers, and bodyboarders, who appear oblivious to the danger. He, become, he began filming sharks full-time last year after his wedding photography business shut down because of the pandemic. Rather than provide calls for alarm, Guana think, thinks that the film should hearten beach users because they show the sharks behaving far less aggressively than in Jaws. The big takeaway for me is the sheer amount of encounters that occur. They likely always have. It's always, we can see them now. Before an injury ended his surfing days, he is frightened of the sharks. 
But after watching them extensively with his drone, now he believes that they are not just as aggressive as we perceive them to be. Great whites are known to frequent the wild coastlines around San Francisco, but they are thought to be much rarer in Southern California. Drone photography has uh, forced this to be a rethink. Garner's films posted on his YouTube channel, The Malibu Artist, provide compelling evidence of how normal it is for sharks, typically juveniles up to 10 foot long, to swim around people along the entire stretch of coast from Point Conception, 50 miles west of Santa Barbara, down to San Diego, close to the Mexican border. Drones have become a valuable tool for our scientists at Christopher Lowe, a professor at the Marine Biology and Director of the Shark Lab at California State University. It gives us a bird's eye view, which we didn't have before. Lowe's Laboratory conducts its own drone research, seeking to learn more about the circumstances that were most likely to lead to an encounter between humans and sharks. Carlos gets some awesome footage. He gets some spectacular stuff. Until recently, scientists knew very little about how sharks behaved around humans, whether they were curious, afraid, or even uh, uninterested. So far, it looks like sharks just don't care. The surfers can't see them, the swimmers can't see them, but we can see them from the air. And in those cases, the sharks just don't seem to change their path. Sometimes they swim back under a surfer, but they don't circle back. They just keep on going. This hasn't always been the case. The last fatal shark attack in Southern California was in Solano Beach, San Diego County in 2008. Occasionally, Guana and Lowe will raise the alarm when they spot sharks near people. Last month, Guana raced towards two children floating on bodyboards at a beach in Santa Barbara, but the seven-foot shark turned away. Ten minutes later, he watched a nine-foot shark track a surfer sitting on a board, but this time he was half a mile away and powerless to intervene. The shark did a slow U-turn, beneath the board and then swam to sea. The surfer never saw it. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm going to quash and wash away some bad memories of youth. And today on the podcast, live on air, I'm going to burn my old Pippi Longstocking rugby socks. These are striped black and white socks that I used to play rugby in. And I'm going to take a flame to them on air to try to rid the memories of being in the scrum, the second row. Smithers is number eight behind me. Grabbing onto the crown jewels in the scrum and giving them a tug, unbeknownst to the referee. <sighs> Let the bells wash over me and rid me of the memory of my bollocks being pulled by Smithers. Wash over me the memories of being towel-whipped in the changing rooms of a wet towel as I got out of the shower. Rid me of the memories of deep heat being sprayed into my jock strap and the feeling of my appendage 
getting that icy hot feel and shrinking. And finally, rid me of the memory of a hot buttery crumpet and hot butter dripping down my chin and burning my left moob. So I'm going to take the sock, one sock, one rugby sock, black and white, and put it on the funeral pyre plate and I'm going to burn it to smithereens to wash away the memory. Here we go, it's on the plate. Let the Zen monks wash over the sock one last time. And here we go. One more for luck. The sock is now incinerated. Let the bells wash over me one more time. Alright, we're along to uh, Trumple Trombone. So the chilling moment, man plays with slimy creature on the beach unaware it can kill humans. So man filmed himself handling and licking a slimy creature he stumbled across on the beach, completely ignorant of how deadly it was. The clip shows a sea animal washed up on the beach with a transparent balloon-like float, blue colouring, as well as long strands of tentacles coming from the bottom. I see the Trump brothers have set up a gelato stall beachside. And part of our regular features here on the podcast, uh, we have uh, punchlines without the story. And here it is. Oh, rat fans, you truly would join the Wide Awake Club if baby rats were found in your bed. And people in India warned about smearing themselves in cow poo and it will not fight COVID. So in the western state of uh, Gurat, some people have turned to cow shelters to cover their bodies in cow dung and urine once a week in the hope that it will boost their immunity. Cows are considered sacred in India with the animal a symbol of life. Uh, Hindus have used cow dung to clean their homes and for prayer rituals, believing it is therapeutic and has antiseptic properties. And pet kitten thought to be sick turns out to be incredibly rare wolf cat. A cat owner was left gobsmacked when she discovered that her pet kitten was actually an incredibly aware wolf cat. Brianna Walton feared that her seven-month-old kitten Gracie could be sick after she started losing huge clumps of fur. The cat lover from Maine, the United States, was fostering two adult cats. One gave birth to a litter of kittens, which contained Gracie. Uh, Brianna, who works as a photographer, died, decided to keep hold of Gracie as a pet for herself. This was just five weeks ago uh, that she realized something wasn't right. It began losing all of its fur. Gracie was about five weeks old and she started to lose a lot of her facial hair. She lost almost all of her hair completely over the next two weeks and became I became very concerned and took her to the vet. While Brianna was convinced her pet feline might be suffering from an undiagnosed illness, she was completely baffled when the vet said it's caused by rare genetic mutation, making her indeed a wolf cat. 
So it has a sneaking selfish uh, as a cat and as a loyal as a dog than the wolf. Does it howl at the moon or purr at the planets? Astrology-wise, it's Mars moon with claws rising. And a confused huntsman shoot entire flock of landowner sheep, assuming that they're fair game. A group of confused huntsmen who came to the UK on a business shot, an entire flock of sheep thinking they were fair game. While visiting the country, the men decided to try the delights of the English countryside and went on a private shoot. They gave guns and hunting dogs and offered the men uh, true hunters uh, said they hunt alone. Not wanting to offend them, the landowner agreed, but all things went terribly awry when hunters end up slaughtering an entire flock of sheep, lambs and all. Now all the flock has been killed, some might say the farmers sheep shagged. And Seth Rogen fans can't recognise him as he shows off his beard and grows a mullet. Mm. I have to say the fashion police arrest warrant would be more prevalent and extend to those wearing the murky mullet than the bad beard. Well, thanks for embracing me on the podcast today. It's been lovely to be here. It's Chappie, your dear host. Uh, Again, as I said earlier, there's a musical edition on Spotify. All of our platforms hold the audio version. And uh, it's going to be a lovely day uh, here. Well, it's lovely at the moment. I think it's going to, I need, going to need a sou'wester and probably my fisherman's outfit later with pouring rain. But hopefully you're having a lovely weekend too. And uh, join me again on the podcast next week. And uh, next we have the poem. So we're preempting a little bit with uh, this poem by Daniel Halpern, Summer Storm. All days the storm's been squeezing out the light. A huge mist grows and the wind comes up. Nothing to take the boards off the house but enough. To set us all on edge, although these winds, unlike the easterly winds of the Mediterranean, carry nothing but air, only a few gulls. Climb the wind and swing over the house, the diving birds gone, the herons that feed at water's edge gone and the ducks are sheltering. Somewhere out of the storm I have the fire started, a little broth on the stove, and the house is closed to the storm, only its light can reach us. It picks up the white boats. Cheerio for this week, see you again next week.